If you haven't done so already, go to our, um, okay, thank you, Matthew. Go to our app or to our to Facebook. That's where we are live right now is on Facebook. And um, share this morning's uh, broadcast with people. There's nine watching right now. There's usually others that join us during the message from all over the place. Oklahoma is one of our most watched, viewed places because we have friends there, and Florida is starting to pick up, and I think I have a constituency there that may be drawing us. I'm just joking. Uh, Somebody's got a minister on the beach. Might as well be us. I really enjoyed last week as we started diving into 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. We shared with you on the uh, gifts of the Spirit that reveal something. Uh, Lisa and I had an interesting discussion last night. I'll tell you more about it as we get into the message. But it's in plain sight, and I never saw it. Um, And these are gifts, and we're not trying to tell you that they aren't gifts because they're given. But the Scripture actually says in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, there are diversities of ministries, diversity of activities, and diversity of gifts And only one of the nine that are listed, which it is not an exhaustive list of the gifts of the Spirit. It's just nine that Paul hones in on, but only one of those nine is actually called a gift. And it's actually plural, gifts of healings. We'll look at that here in a minute. But when you look at chapter 12, verse 1, when it says spiritual gifts in most of your Bibles, if it's King James or New King James, that word gifts is going to be italicized. How many have the italicized word in chapter 12, verse 1? You see that italicized word there. Uh, The rest of you are lying or you don't have a King James Bible. (laughs) Other translations say spiritual things or spiritual matters. Um, The word gifts is italicized there because it's not actually in the Greek language when Paul was writing. He's really trying to bring our attention to the Spirit. Brethren, I'd have you not be ignorant concerning the Spirit. Someone later on added gifts to that, trying to help us to understand a little bit better what he was going to talk about. But the attention should always be on the Spirit, the giver, and not the gift. We said last week, that all of these gifts and manifestations of the Spirit of grace in our lives bring attention and proclaim that Jesus is Lord. Can I get an amen? Water baptism is mentioned 27 times in the New Testament. You can find water baptism and references to water baptism 27 times in the New Testament, but not one of those 27 mentions give us instructions on how to baptize. It does it. There's no instructions, forward, backward, straight down, dipped, sprinkled, dunked. Uh, There's no instructions on water baptism, but the Christian faith believes in following the Lord in baptism, and we've called baptism a sacrament or, or ordinance of the church that we practice. Do you agree? But no instructions on how to do it. Communion is mentioned 28 times in the New Testament. 28 verses referring to the Lord's Supper, us taking communion, but never is there any instruction on how to take communion. Dipping the bread in the wine, one cup, many cups. 
There's all types of different ways, but the scripture just says that as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me, but there's no instructions on how to do it. Isn't that interesting? But yet it is an ordinance of the church that we believe in and faithfully practice. And important, water baptism and communion. Now watch this. Gifts of the Spirit are mentioned 103 times in the New Testament. Four times more than communion and water baptism. And along with those scriptures and verses mentioning the gifts of the Spirit come instructions on how they are to be used. I believe that Jesus wanted us to understand that the gifts of the Spirit are for not just the first century church, but they're available for us today. I don't know why other than fear and a lack of teaching and understanding, but we should be embracing His grace. We need to embrace His grace. Without embracing His grace, the gifts of the Spirit aren't in operation because these are all grace gifts. So let's go back to 1 Corinthians, the first chapter. Will you go there with me? Let's put this on the screen. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 4. Paul is speaking to the church at Corinth, and he says, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace, underline that word grace, of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus. I need to go back and grab a point from last week and to reemphasize that this word grace here is charis. Now, it was an original Greek word, pagan word, not a Christian word, that meant a touch of the gods. Paul grabs that, brings that in, and says there's only one true and living God. His name is Jehovah. We see him in the person of Jesus Christ, and he's manifested to us by the Spirit living on the inside of us. So the grace of God is the touch of God on your life that empowers you, enables you, and equips you to operate in the spiritual dimension. Can you put those E's up there for me? They need to see this. When you are touched by God's grace, Titus tells us it is empowering. It empowers you to deny ungodliness. It enables you and it equips you. The Holy Spirit equips you with these gifts or tools these uh, activities and these workings in your life so that you can operate in the supernatural. And you know, anybody ever watch Sid Roth? <laughs> People are shaking their heads. His program is called Supernatural. And he's always talking about the supernatural signs and wonders that are following normal, everyday lay people in the church, not just the ones that have TV ministries and stand behind pulpits and mega churches. The gifts, the manifestations of the grace of God, because you have the whole, same Holy Spirit in you that is empowering you, enabling you, and equipping you to operate in the supernatural. And I'm not talking about going around floating on cloud nine, always with your head up in the supernatural. We live life and there are battles and trials and circumstances. I'm not denying any of that, but you have an indwelling Holy Spirit that if we're sensitive to that, that he wants us to operate in the supernatural when it comes to dealing with those things in our life. 
um, the gifts or the manifestations of His grace are always outward. There's something to see, there's something to hear, and there is something to experience. When it comes to the supernatural power of God, it's, it's not as mystical as you think, it's never invisible, and it's never uh, silent. There's always something to see, hear, and experience. I'm expecting those things. Can I get anybody to raise their hand and believe with me? And I'm not just talking about in a service on Sunday morning between 10 and 11.30 a.m. I'm talking about when you walk out of these doors realizing and starting to believe that you are equipped, enabled, and empowered to walk in the supernatural. Because you can lay hands on the sick in Walmart and they shall recover. <laughs> in Jesus' name. Okay, verse 5, 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, verse number 5. He goes on to say that you were enriched. Underline that word, enriched. You were enriched in everything. Somebody say everything. By Him in all utterance and all knowledge. This word enriched is plusus. Oh, I want to say Pluto every time I see that, but it's Plusus in the Greek, and it means a wealth that cannot be tabulated. Can you imagine the wealth that can't? My Father in heaven has enriched me with his riches, and his riches cannot be tabulated. He's rich in mercy, one scripture says. He's rich in grace. So all of his grace and his mercy, it's so, uh, it cannot be tabulated. It's so vast and abundant that it says it's brand new every morning. And he has enriched you so that now you have resources that cannot be tabulated. There's no limit on the resources that you have. Just because you see one healed doesn't mean that it's dried up. <laughs> Healings and gifts can still be in operation today. And He's enriched us in everything. In all of our utterances and in all of our knowledge, He's given us His riches. So last week we talked about three categories of these manifestations of grace. We talked about they reveal something. And we dealt with the revelation gifts last week. Word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. It's available to you on our YouTube page as well as our Facebook page if you want to review that. Then there are three manifestations or gifts that are they do something. They demonstrate power in the kingdom. And they are faith, the gifts of healings, and the working of miracles. Then next week... We'll conclude with those manifestations that say something. And they are prophecy, tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. You don't want to miss that one. Today, we're going to investigate and research the manifestations of the graces that do something. These power gifts. So, now jump over to chapter 12 in that same book, 1 Corinthians. And let me read verse 7 to you. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man. How many men is it given to? For the profit with all. The manifestation of the Spirit. That's these nine gifts that he's talking about here. The graces of God. They are power manifestations. 
and they are given to every man to profit with all. And so every man is the Greek phrase, hekostos, and it means all-inclusive. It's inter- it is a term that embraces everyone. And I said it last week, both believers and non-believers benefit from us walking in the supernatural. So the Holy Spirit has been given to you and empowers you, enables you and equips you so that when you are operating in the supernatural and these manifestations of the kairos, see, it's kairos, grace, but when they're in operation, it's called charisma. The gift manifesting or this manifestation of the grace that's on your life through the Holy Spirit, they're His gifts dwelling in you. And when they manifest, they are for the profit of everyone. You'll find out specifically, he says in chapter 14, that tongues can even benefit the unbeliever. Coming here tomorrow, next week, tomorrow. <laughs> I'm so excited I want to share it with you tomorrow. But the manifestations of the grace of God are given for every man's benefit. He does not leave anyone out. I believe that's pretty incredible. Verses 8, 9, and 10 then talk to us about these manifestations of faith, the gifts of healings, and the working of miracles. I would like to share with you on those three briefly now. Let's look at faith. It's a special faith. It's a supernatural ability that Holy Spirit adds to your base faith to do something above or beyond what you could do in your own believing. Listen, it's a supernatural faith that operates from the Father by the Holy Spirit in you and it's directly through you as you believe. It accomplishes things that are thought to be impossible by man. Yet when a believer is operating within the supernatural manifestation of faith, anything is possible. It is, Romans 5 talks about a base faith, a a, a faith to believe, but this is a special faith. I want to describe it like uh, Daddy Hagen did. It's a burst of faith in a critical moment to empower the one that's believing for the impossible, that the possible is doable. It's a situation where without the supernatural manifestation of God's power, it's an impossible situation, and in that moment you have a burst of faith. It's not just the faith to believe for salvation. It's a faith that uh, you believe that that's doable. God can accomplish that. And it's something that He does for you. And it operates through you because of your faith. It cannot be natural. It's supernatural. I said it last week. If one of these gifts is natural, if it operates in the natural, then all of them have to operate in the natural. But because one is supernatural, they're all supernatural. If you will look at the definitions that I've given you, every single one of them, a supernatural ability, a supernatural manifestation of the Spirit in your life. And one of the examples that I like to use is Peter walking on the water. 
It was a momentary burst of faith when Jesus bade him to come that he stepped out of the water and walked, he stepped out of the boat and walked on the water. He had faith in that moment to believe for something supernatural to happen. If it was natural faith and it was just the operating faith that the just live by faith, he'd waffle on water all the time. But it was a supernatural manifestation of faith that was a burst of faith in that crucial moment. It caused him to believe. It upped his belief in what Jesus could do. Another one is Acts 14 verse 9 where Paul is preaching and he said, the, the scripture says that he perceived that faith was present. The supernatural faith was present and so he shouts out to the lame man in the back, hey, get up and walk. Because he, he sensed this supernatural burst of faith that the impossible, impossible could take place. Now, when he said that, now it's up to that man and his free will if he wants to get up and walk. That's, that's on him because now he has to believe that what the man said, the man or woman said, in that moment of faith is possible, and he gets up and he walks. Has anyone ever experienced a special faith, a supernatural faith, in a moment where something seemed impossible? Yeah, I see hands going, absolutely, yes, amen. Let's look at the gifts of healings. I, I mean, I could spend a couple of weeks just on faith, just on the gifts of healings. But what I want to try to do in our teaching is to give you resources so that you can start looking and allowing Holy Spirit to teach you. Because if you just walk away with what I've said, oh, yeah, that's great, okay, that's wonderful, that's what I believe, then you know what I believe and you've been indoctrinated by it. And churches across the, the world are full of indoctrinated people who are unbelievers because they don't know what they believe in and why they believe in it. 80%, I'm sorry, 85% of Americans have Bibles. 10% read them. And less than 1% study them. It's available to us. Open it up. Let the revelation of the Holy Spirit start operating in your life and opening your eyes up. I was 37 years of indoctrination. And when I say that, I am not making fun of or downplaying. or say, Those were critical years of my life that gave me a foundation. And I knew the scripture. You can ask Lisa. But I saw it in a certain light. She would say something to me and I would take her to a scripture. But in the context, I was wrong. So then my eyes started opening up to see things and then my horizons broadened and then I began to enjoy life like I'd never enjoyed it before because of the revelation of the Holy Spirit in the Word of God. Get these gifts of healings are given by the Father, by the Holy Spirit for supernatural healing of diseases. Listen to me without natural means or from any other outside source. These gifts of healings have nothing to do with medical science or human learning. Now let's pause right there and let's understand that I am not against doctors, I'm not against medication, I'm not against surgeries, I'm not against any of those things. God uses those things in a healing process, and we are thankful for them, are we not? 
But when we're talking about the gifts of healings, we are talking about, see, those are natural means of healing. But the gifts of healings are supernatural and they bypass medical science and the helps of medicine or any other outside source. It's one of those things where the doctor walks in and says, I've done everything I, I know to do. I don't know what else to do. And then all of a sudden, God heals. It's a gift. That's one of the gifts, plural, of healings. The Greek word here is iame. It's I-A-M-A. And it always is in the plural. Gifts of healings. And it means curing the process of healing not necessarily instantaneous, but progressive. The root of the Greek word has supernatural connotations in the sense of drawing attention to the Lord as healer. doesn't draw attention to the doctors, to the, to the science, to the medical field. It, this is the gifts of healings that are in operation, bypassing all natural means, so to draw attention to the Lord who is healer. Does that help any clarity? It did for me when I started seeing this in my studying. What is an example? Go to Luke the 17th chapter. In Luke the 17th chapter, 10 lepers encounter Jesus on the road. Now, we know because we have the history and we can look at the scriptures that Jesus did many miracles uh, of healings, and a lot of them were instant, were they not? Blind eyes, boom, on the spot, instantly opened. Ears, deaf ears, stopped up, instantly opened. This is a demonstration of the manifestation of the gifts of healings in operation in Jesus as a man walking the planet, and he tells these guys, go and show yourself to the priest. Now, the priest didn't heal, but the priests were the only ones who could declare that someone was healed. Okay, So he's under the law. He's telling these guys, go and show yourself to the priest. And the scripture says that as they went, here is a progressive healing, that as they went, their leprosy began to be restored to wholeness. It was an instant. The blind man, Bartimaeus, got healed instantly. These guys, Jesus didn't heal them in front of his face. And then all of a sudden the leprosy was gone. It said, as they went. This is an example of the demonstration of progressive healing. When I was in Mexico uh, back in the early 2000s, we were in a place uh, called Aguape. And when we were in Aguape preaching, we did a all-day um, construction-type deal in a medical clinic. So, clinic. so some of the guys were working, painting uh, the house that the, they had church in and doing some electrical work, and then there were some medical doctors and nurses. They were outside under tents, and they were doing a medical clinic, clinic, and that was all going to culminate and lead up to an evangelistic service that night in the church. And so through the day, these people were coming into the tent and they're, they're receiving medical treatment and a mother comes in and brings her two or three year old child completely lifeless in her arms and tells Dr. Cook that she has, that the child has leukemia. Lifeless, completely lifeless, no movement. I'm not talking about 
like Maverick back there asleep. I'm talking about no collar in the, in the skin, completely limp, lifeless. Nothing that for leukemia that we had the medical technology to be able to help with there that day. We prayed. That evening in the service, we prayed again. And as we began to pray there, a little bit of life came into that child's body and kind of was still lethargic in mother's arms. But by the time that service was over, that child was up, had color in its skin, and was running around that house playing with the rest of the children. To me, that was the gifts of healings in operation that progressively that child got better. And is still, by my recollection and knowledge, still living today. I think if that was probably your child, you'd get a little bit more excited about the miracle or the gifts of healings that took place. I, I believe that the gifts of healings are plural because there are different and various diseases and sicknesses. I believe that's why God specifically had Paul put plural gifts and healings in there. That's physical, mental, emotional, and even spiritual healing that can take place. Matthew 9.34 says that Jesus went about in the towns and villages in the region of Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all sickness and disease. How much of it? All of it. All sickness and disease. Why did the writer there in Matthew say sickness and disease? Sickness is any weakness, illness that causes debilitation. It's an infirmity. It means for the body to become soft. In other words, because of the sickness, the body is soft and can't fight off other things that are attacking the body, and it causes debilitation. One of the things that in the Scripture, there was a spirit of infirmity on a lady for 18 years. I have to chase that rabbit. <laughs> the spirit of infirmity. Watch this. Six plus six plus six is 18. How many years did she have an infirmity? The mark of the beast is a spirit. I believe if you want to make it literal that it already happened with Nero from 62 to 65 A.D. But if it's a spirit, then that spirit of infirmity that had the equation that equaled 18 that that spirit got on her and caused her to be bent over and crippled so that she couldn't see can you imagine to be completely you know that it says in the law that because she was hunchbacked she couldn't enter into the temple every single thing I'm not talking about he didn't leave one out everything that the Old Testament disqualified you from for entering into the temple, Jesus healed in the New Testament. Every one of them. And he comes and heals this hunchback lady and, give, and qualifies her where the law had disqualified her. The gifts of healings were in operation and he healed all sicknesses. But he goes on to say in Matthew 9.35 that he healed all diseases. And the diseases are those persistent chronic Typically incurable ailments. Did I say that right? 
I was saying ailments last night, or aliens. Typically incurable ailments that come upon people. We would say things like cancer that are chronic and, and they are incurable without the touch of, a gifts of the gifts of healing in operation. So we have faith, we have gifts of healings, and now we have the working of miracles or the operation of powers. It's a divine operation of supernatural power that overrides natural laws and instantly, suddenly manifests what is naturally impossible. Where the gifts of healings are progressive, the workings of miracles are instant. They're sudden. They happen right there in front of your face. Someone may naturally become well over a process of time with the help of medical science and natural means, but this is not the gifts of healings or the workings of miracles. Why? Because it was natural. It's supernatural when God steps in. Um, have you ever looked at a sunset and just said, that's so miraculous, that's beautiful? Or our girls came through, miraculously came through a head-on collision that should have taken their life. Although that was miraculous, and there are little miracles all over the place, and we call them miracles, that's not perhaps the working of miracles. The working of miracles is the, um, the operation of the Holy Spirit that bypasses the impossible means of the law, like the laws of nature and the laws of science. For instance, go with me to John the 6th chapter, verses 6 through 14, and we'll see the workings of miracles. Not saying that what that's not miraculous how God created and that's such a beautiful landscape over there or that it wasn't a miracle that my girls survived that crash, not only survived it, but their whole well heal and walking today. Thank God for that. We believe that it was the providence hand of God on their lives. But the working of miracles is like the... Two little fish and the five loaves that Jesus has given and there's 5,000 people sitting in front of him and he's going to defy natural laws and the atoms and the molecules of those fish and those loaves will begin to change and reform and instantly before your eyes, those two fishes and five loaves become 12 baskets full left over after they had fed 5,000 people instantly on the spot it took place. That's the working of miracles. The working miracles is if you don't have a leg and someone lays hands on you and where there was no leg, the molecules and the atoms and the protons and all of the things that cause that leg to form all of a sudden instantly before your eyes, there's a leg where there was no leg before. That defies all the laws of nature. That's the working of miracles. Every one of the manifestations of His grace are miraculous. Amen? They are supernatural. However, specifically speaking, they are not the workings of miracles. I'm not trying to confuse you, but I'm, going, I'm trying to give clarity because if we don't understand, it's just like where we have confused a word of knowledge, word of knowledge for prophecy. They're not the same thing. They're manifestations of the graces of God on people's lives 
but a word of knowledge is going to bring you a fact from the mind of God about a person, place, or thing. If it's working together with a word of wisdom that gives direction about the future, you have these two working together. But a prophecy, anybody can prophesy. I can walk up to Debbie right now and give her an encouraging word to build her faith up, to encourage her, to spark energy in her. That's prophecy because it edifies and encourages. Just like the gifts of healings are different from the workings of miracles. I'm going to give you an illustration. I'll wrap this thing up. When Paul was shipwrecked in Acts 27, uh, the storm did not cease until it blew itself out. Paul didn't stand up on the bow of the ship and proclaim, Storm, stop, hush, be quiet, be still. But because God had spoken to Paul when he was alone in the bottom of the ship, he had supernatural faith to believe for the divine protection because God had said to Paul, you were to go to Rome and everyone on this ship will make it with you, but the ship will be lost. So he had a burst of faith and he believed for that divine protection, but he didn't get up and de declare peace be still and a miracle, working of miracles take place. However, in Mark 4.39, Jesus stands up during the storm on the Sea of Galilee and does say, peace be still, and the storm stopped. That changed the very circumstance causing the danger. How many of you have had to go through the storm and end up shipwrecked, but you made it through to the other side? Like Paul did. There are also times that God has stopped the storm which changed the circumstance that was about to bring the danger. It's in all, both of those, it's His power manifesting in our lives. The difference between the gift of faith and the working of miracles is that the gift of faith receives a miracle. That's the Father doing something for you, while the working of a miracle is the Father working a miracle through you. By your hands, Frank, if you guys would come. When a word of knowledge comes, the Father has permitted a little bit of His omniscience to be known. He's all-knowing, omniscient. So when a word of knowledge comes, He's permitted a little bit of that knowledge, a fact about a person, place, or thing. He's deposited that in your spirit. So it is when He permits a little bit of his omnipotence because he's all-powerful. As the Holy Spirit wills to be manifested through the gifts of healings and the working of miracles. So I want you to stand with me and we're going to go to 2 Timothy. We ended the service last week with this scripture, but I have a little bit of a twist with it this morning after Lisa gave me the interlinear Greek lexicon. This is Paul writing to Timothy. And in the scripture it says, stir up the gift that's within you by the laying on of my hands. That's what he's talking about here. But look at this as I've written it in the English for you, but as the Greek would read. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle afresh and anew 
to fan the flame, to stir up the fire. He's really talking about the embers that remains of a fire. Have, you know, if you're burning a fire and the, and the wood is burning down, but there's still some coals in there, there's some embers of that fire, and if you take the poker and you start jabbing that fire around, I've even got one of those fans that you squeeze like that, and all of a sudden, boof, the fire comes back. That, that's what Paul's telling Timothy to do because the fire's still there. Why? Why do you need to fan the flame and stir up and rekindle afresh and anew so that you can gain strength and the zeal of grace, charisma, that divinely empowers a believer to share, to work, and to serve others? It's the grace of God which is in you by the laying on of hands, of my hands. Gary, come here just a second. Let me show you this. This is the picture that we've normally got of laying on of hands. And we believe, and I understand that there's a place for it, an impartation, something to be released. I'm not denying that. But I believe that as I've seen this, this is not what Paul is doing here. Paul is, it's a gift of Holy Spirit in him. It's the grace of God in Timothy's life. And what Paul, his mentor, he calls him his son in the gospel. So what he's doing to Timothy is by the conveying, conveying of encouragement and revelation. Come on, Brother Timothy. Yes. Hang in there. Yes. You got this. Stir yes. this thing up. That's the laying one of hands here. Thank you. So don't get out of your mind that Paul was going around laying his hands on people. I'm not saying that that didn't happen. But in a practical way, what he's saying here is you are encouraging. See, he's given you strength and zeal to serve others and to see these things working in other people's lives. So you're going around encouraging by the laying on the hands like a slap on the back, a high five, a nudge on the shoulder. Let's go. You're in this thing. I'm in this thing with you. We can do this thing. Holy Spirit's in you. Remember that. Stir that up. That's encouraging. That's what we're here to do. That's why we gather Sunday morning in and Sunday morning out is to lay our hands on you. Not in the literal sense, but to encourage you to bring fresh revelation to you so that you can stir up, rekindle afresh and anew the gift of grace that is in you so that it would manifest. To me, the success of any ministry or minister is to motivate people to action so that when they leave, it don't matter if you have five on Sunday, if they're going out and making an impact in the community and things are happening through their hands, businesses are being successful, people are being healed, people are being encouraged, people that uh, were dead in areas of their life and they're speaking life over them, miracles, signs and wonders, knowledge, wisdom being released. That's, that's why we're here. That's what we want to see, the body in action. So trust this morning that you feel a little nudge, a little slap on the back. Uh, my, my coach used to hit me in the head with my helmet on and say, you know, encourage me. He wasn't mad at me. He was just, you know, good play. Do it again, you know. Get out there. That's what I want to encourage you today to do as a coach and as a, a pastor, a shepherd, is to motivate you, encourage you to strengthen your zeal.
in the Lord. Amen. Did you have anything? Yeah. Matthew 9.35, yeah. Diseases and sicknesses. Yeah, yeah, preaching the kingdom. That's what he did in Matthew 9.35. I believe we've prayed for people if you still need some prayer this morning. Let's go ahead and sing, um, Frank, and see where the Lord takes us.